Hello and welcome to the very first episode of Ancient Anime. This is um, kind of like my pilot episode, I guess. I don't have a guest this week. Most of the episodes I will have a guest just because it's a little bit easier to keep the conversation going and everything flowing when you have somebody else with you. But I chose to do this first episode alone just so I can kind of introduce everybody to me. I know a lot of people listening probably have never heard of me before. I'm just now building kind of like my online presence and just deciding to branch out and do something fun and interesting that I've been wanting to do for a long time. This has been a long time coming, this podcast has. I've been working on this for months and months and suffered a lot of delays, a lot of setbacks, a lot of format changes at even that. In full transparency, this is the second time I've recorded this episode. We had such a drastic format change from the when I recorded the initial recording of this. So um, Ancient Anime is a podcast where we are going to go through every week and look at some older anime, generally from the 80s and 90s, sometimes 70s, sometimes early 2000s, and re-watch them in the current year, which is right now 2022, and just see if they hold up by today's standards. Are these shows nostalgic or are they actually good and that's what we're going to take a look at now so um without further ado i did choose pokemon the first movie i know it's kind of cliche it's been overdone and done to death but i did want to go ahead and pick this one as a pretty good kind of feeler because i haven't seen this movie in a very long time so it's going to be a good kind of starting point for us to figure out how this is going to turn out. So without further ado, let's get the first episode started of Ancient Anime, where we're going to review Pokemon, the first movie. Thank you, everybody, for coming by. So um, my history, I guess, is what we should start out with. I, uh, my name is Common Rider Furry. I go by KRF. A lot of people just call me Furry, um, Common, whatever you want to call me is fine with me. My history goes back pretty far with anime, um, to when I was probably like six or seven, and I was discovering a lot of things that were on television at the time, Pokemon being one of them. The anime was a big part of my development, but it was mainly Sailor Moon and Dragon Ball Z, as they were a little bit more accessible. Pokemon came on a channel that I don't think we had, or maybe it came on at a time that I couldn't consistently watch it. I'm not really sure what the issue was with Pokemon, but I saw it much more sporadically. It was more the VHS releases that I distinctly remember seeing when I was a kid. Like, I, w I had all the VHS tapes, but as far as watching on TV, not as much, but Sailor Moon and Dragon Ball Z every single day, watched it every day. And then um, I lived in a very small town in the south. We had one mall that was close by. It was about 25 minutes away. And it had one store called Sam Goody. I don't know if anybody remembers that. But um, back in the late 90s and early 2000s, Sam Goody was, was the shit, basically. And so I went and I was... Um, saving up my allowance and every I would get $10 a week and these VHS tapes were like 20 or $30. So I'd save up for basically a month to buy a VHS tape. And I eventually ran out of Sailor Moon tapes that I could buy 
Dragon Ball Z tapes that were available at the time. So I started branching out to other things, which is when I discovered stuff that wasn't on television, like Fushiji Yugi and Slayers, which is my all-time favorite anime now, and a lot of other stuff, Magic Knight Ray Earth, all of these like really core 90s shows that were everywhere back on VHS. And I kept collecting. I've been phased in and out throughout the years. Where I'm at kind of right now with my fandom is uh, that I don't really keep up with the newer stuff. Um, I'm not really a seasonal anime type of person. I don't really like to to keep up with the seasonal anime. And I'm not really a big fan of the isekai, like going to another world or whatever it's called. That whole genre, which has kind of taken over the anime sphere at the time of this recording so uh, it's i'm kind of in a weird place with anime which is really the driving force for this because i do want to watch more anime i do want it to be more of a central point in my life but most of the stuff i like is old so and this kind of gives me an excuse to go through and watch some stuff every week is not necessarily going to be something that's nostalgic for me i do have quite a few guests that i'm going to have on throughout the upcoming months and um, I do want them to pick something. I want them to pick what we watch, you know. So not all of it's going to be stuff that I've seen before that I necessarily feel nostalgic about, which is also kind of a fun way to look at it because the question is a lot easier to answer in those instances of if it's nostalgic or not because I won't, <laughs> I won't have ever seen it, so I can kind of answer that a little bit better. But today we are looking at Pokemon the first movie. So now we are moving into a segment that I am trying out for this first few episodes called How Ancient Is It? And um, Pokemon the first movie is not the most ancient thing that we're going to talk about on here. It came out in 1998 in Japan and 99 in the United States. Some of the other movies that were out at the time that it was competing against, um, 1998 in the Japanese anime movie theater spectrum wasn't as crazy as some of the other years in the 90s um i know that slayer's gorgeous was out and the tech and motion picture was out both in that year tv on the other hand was massive for anime that year trigun cowboy bebop his and her circumstances which is a personal favorite of mine all came out in that year and you know the pokemon anime also was booming at this time too so there was a lot of competition for attention at this time but it was made pretty easy based off of the Pokemania hype. They knew that um, going into this, it was going to be a hit, not just in Japan, but pretty much around the world. The United States was in a frenzy for Pokemon at the time. I remember, you know, going every week to Sam Goody again and Books A Million to participate in the Pokemon League with the cards. I actually played the card game. I get so irritated, just as a side note, I get pretty irritated when I see these um, YouTube videos and podcasts where people are like, oh, I just collected the cards. I never learned how to play. It's it's a game. Like, I get that it's a collectible game, but it's a game. Learn how to learn the rules. Learn how to play it. Like, I encouraged all my friends. I taught all my friends how to play it. We went to the Pokemon League. I had all eight badges. I, I was very dedicated to this card game. I'm still a very avid card game person, but, you know, being an adult with bills makes it a little bit harder to keep up with the fast pace of card games and how often they change. But I digress. Like, I learned how to play the card game, but most kids did just collect the cards. But no matter how you looked at it, 
it was a frenzy. Everybody was trying to get their hands on the cards. Everybody was trying to get their hands on the plushes. There was a Burger King crossover. There was plushes everywhere. I think at one point even KFC had plushes. They were hideous, but they existed. It was just everywhere. No matter where you looked in 1998, 1999, you were seeing Pokemon. And so this movie came out at the perfect time. Really, it really, really did. Um, and I just, I can't explain enough how important this movie was to me. I remember very vividly seeing it in the theaters. I was only allowed to go see it once. Um, my parents weren't super strict or anything, but they were pretty financially conservative. Um, my dad was very, very into finances and, you know, saving money, investing, that kind of stuff. So I we had we weren't in the poor house by any means i mean we lived in rural america there's like as long as you had a minimum wage job back then you were fine but we didn't spend a lot of money we were taught to go without things to not splurge to not buy an excess and stuff so i only got to see it once and let me tell you i was i felt like i got ripped off hardcore um <laughs> because the theater in my hometown didn't do the cards the one of the big draws um again i actually played the card game so i was super into having all the cards one of the big draws in the movie was that when you went you got a random card that had a gold foil stamp on it and there were cards that already existed it was like dragonite and mewtwo and pikachu like pokemon that were important to the plot of the movie and I really wanted the Mewtwo one. I thought Mewtwo was so cool back in the day. He was my favorite. So I was really hoping to go in there and get, you know, one of the cards. And my theater just didn't do it. I don't know if they just didn't get any of the cards in or if it was only like, you know, for the first weekend or something like that. I was a kid. I don't know. But I just know that kids that went to the real big city that was about an hour away got the cards and so there were kids at my school that had the cards that didn't play the game and just kept them in their little binders and I was so furious about it so <laughs> I really 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 hated that I didn't get any of the the gold foil stamped cards and um I'm not gonna say that that like ruined the movie for me but I was in a pretty bad mood throughout the first like half of the movie I distinctly remember up until the clone fight, which we'll get to in a little bit, I was just like, this is stupid, and I hate it here. Um, so maybe I don't exactly feel super nostalgic about this movie. But anyway, so let's get into what exactly happens in this movie. As far as the plot goes, um, this was, rewatching it now, um, it was very interesting to see just how deep, or at least, like, how deep it tries to be i don't necessarily think that it's a really deep and um like thought-provoking movie but it definitely tries to which is something that we don't see a whole lot out of western animation and even in kids japanese animation and uh, you know stuff from asia we don't see that a whole lot so it was a little it was a little interesting the entire opening sequence with the creation of mew them talking about, uh, or sorry, the creation of Mewtwo, them talking about how Mew was the most, uh, like, ancient Pokemon, and they found some of his DNA, and they've been trying to clone him, 
all of this kind of stuff was very different from anything that we'd experienced in the Pokemon world so far, especially in the anime sphere. Like the games, the games would get into some darker areas, but as far as the anime, the anime kept it pretty lighthearted for the most part. There was this whole big sequence that went on for, I felt like a little bit too long and maybe had some plot holes in there. Um, they, basically, they create Mewtwo. Mewtwo comes to life and realizes that he is an intelligent being. He can communicate um, in English or Japanese, I guess, if you're watching it in Japan. And um, really is the strongest ever. And there's this really weird scene where he just, like, murders everyone that created him, maybe? Um the island blows up, and we're just going to assume that they all swam to safety, because this is a kid's movie. <laughs> um, so, the, he and then he's found by Giovanni, who is the leader of Team Rocket, and also the Viridian City gym leader. Very important character in the video games. Um, in the anime, later on he becomes more important, but in the first season he's just kind of, he shows up very, very occasionally you just kind of get the idea that he's a bad guy weird plot hole shows up though because he has this like armor that's perfectly made for Mewtwo but no one nowhere does it ever say that he knew that Mewtwo was even being created or what Mewtwo's final form would look like because the the researcher didn't seem to know what he was going to end up looking like either it was just very weird that he had this armor, and I really remember the armor being a bigger part of the movie. I watching it now, like it was, he just wore it for a couple of scenes in this beginning, but I remember seeing a lot of like imagery and merchandise and like box art and stuff with this armor on. So I really thought it lasted longer than it did. Like I even towards the end of the film, I was like, oh, maybe he's gonna use that as an upgrade. Maybe I'm just you know misremembering something, but no, he wears that really cool like Team Rocket armor for just a couple of minutes at the beginning of the movie, if even that, and then casts it aside because he decides that he's too good for Giovanni and he flies off and kind of gets um, main character ego syndrome and just decides that he's going to take off on his own. This whole, it, it felt like a fever dream watching this. Like I felt like I was drunk and I wasn't drunk because it was just like, this is a kid's show we're like 10 to 15 minutes in this movie and we haven't even seen the main character yet, which I mean, I guess isn't super uncommon for um, something like this, but it just, it felt weird. It felt different. <laughs> um, this was the first time that we were seeing everything on the big screen. And I understand that so many people had been wanting to see Mewtwo because this, to put it in context, Outside of Ho-Oh, who we didn't even know who it was at the time, none of the legendaries had appeared in the show at all. We had seen a couple of, like, um, artist depictions. Like, there, in one of the early episodes, there's the four birds and randomly Arcanine, for some reason, on this, like, piece of artwork that's supposed to show legendary Pokemon. And Mewtwo hadn't existed at this point, so that makes sense. And most people didn't know about Mew's existence either. Up until this point, we had really not gotten to see the legendaries in the anime at all. And a lot of the people have been playing the card game and have play been playing the video games. So we know that, you know, Zapdos, Articuno, Moltres, um, even Dragonite, I don't believe, had appeared in the anime by this point. 
So a, a lot of these like really big time Pokemon were finally going to be fleshed out and shown and really be part of this experience for the first time. And it was really exciting for a lot of people. This movie was important. So I get that they really wanted to show a lot of Mewtwo at the beginning, give us that fan service. But I really feel like this could have been a flashback that was placed midway through the movie or towards the end of the movie. And the reason why I say this is just because we, when you have little kids, because this is a children's movie, um, when you have little kids, keeping their attention is hard. A lot of this was just explaining an exposition and it just, it, I don't see this holding a kid's attention. It held my attention just because of how bizarre it was and how, how funny it was. There's a, there's a moment where, um, Giovanni puts Mewtwo up against an Onyx and I was like, I remember when Onyx was a threatening Pokemon, like Onyx was a scary Pokemon and everybody wanted to have him on their team because he was like the cool rock Pokemon. Um, Brock used him in both the game and the anime. So everybody kind of really liked him and he, he was kind of scary and menacing but now, like, playing Legends Arceus, he's just a annoying. <laughs> he's, he's, not, he's not threatening in any way. Like, the Pokemon is not threatening at all. So when I'm seeing Mewtwo, the strongest Pokemon at the time, go up against an Onix, it was pretty amusing. I mean, there were he, he went up against several Pokemon. Um, he even beat the crap out of Gary, which I think happened in the anime, too? But I don't remember. I remember there was something weird that happened with Giovanni. Like, they they tried to sort of make this movie canon. Um, especially when you get to the end and the stupid plot device that they use at the end. But I think, I'm pretty sure that Gary also gets beat by Mewtwo in the anime. And maybe that's why I'm thinking that the armor is more prominent than it was. I probably should have done more research, to be honest with you, before just hopping into this. But... All you need to take away from the beginning of this movie is that Mewtwo is a badass and that he is going to come for your coins and he is going to come for you and he's going to call you a racist and a bigot and he's going to basically kill you. He killed all those people on that island. Like we can say they swam to safety, but they're dead. Flash forward to the part when the kids actually got excited and I actually got pretty excited too um, because Number one, the animation in this is fantastic. Like, I've always been a sucker for cell animation, and this is around the time when it was starting to switch over to digital, digital like, creation anime. But even when they did switch over to that, Japan did a really good job at keeping the same vibe. But these cell animations were just... You could tell they took so much time and put so much effort into this. And we get a, um, a scene that we see all the time in the anime of just the the three main protagonists ash misty and brock I'm gonna use the the names from the dub because that's what i watched um we'll talk about the dub here in a minute but um ash misty brock are having a nice lunch i completely forgot that togepi was already introduced by now i was gonna go on um a rant well like a not a rant i was gonna go on and talk and gush about how much i love don fan appearing in this movie and we're getting to see you know johto pokemon before johto but togepi is already there and togepi is a johto pokemon technically 
anyway, so they are, you know, having lunch. And as soon as Ash starts talking, I just, uh, I melt. At this point in the anime, he was being voiced by Veronica Taylor, who is one of my all-time favorite voice actors. Uh, she's been in everything, but um, no disrespect to Serenetta Chinney, who does the voice now. But I really do love Veronica Taylor. I love all of the original Pokemon voice cast. A lot of the, a lot of the four kids, voice actors were super super talented, and it makes me so sad that four kids has a bad rap, and that four kids really goes uh, went above and beyond to butcher like really cinemal popular shows in the way that they did, because these voice actors deserve so much more love and so much more credit for all of the work that they put into these childhood shows and all the work that they continue to do. Most of them are still working to this day. Uh, I, every now and then I will hear Veronica Taylor's voice or Lisa Ortiz or, you know, somebody else from that four kids era and just feel super warm and nostalgic. So I, I really loved hearing all these original voices back in the anime. And um, again, no disrespect to the current cast because I do watch the current you know, show uh, journeys. And I watched a few of the other seasons on Netflix and various other streaming services. And it's, they're all talented voice, small soapbox voice actors should be paid more moving on anyway. So, um, they, they are getting their, they're having their lunch, enjoying themselves and they get challenged by a trainer, which isn't unusual um it's a game mechanic that they bring into the anime a lot so this guy comes up and he has this bandana on that looks mysteriously like the team aqua logo like not exactly but pretty similar so i'm like did they recycle this design did they remember this design at all when they were doing team aqua was was it in development at this point because i know that game development takes a really long time and by the time this movie had come out gold and silver were ready to go so were they already working on the third game uh, or the third generation i mean at this point i don't know but it was it was really weird to see his bandana weird foreshadowing but he challenges ash to a fight and um this is just the perfect way this is what i meant when the opening sequence with mewtwo could have been a flashback later on because this is how they needed to start the movie off we get the theme song playing. We get to see Don Fan. We get to see all of our old favorites, Bulbasaur, you know, Squirtle, Charizard pop out. Everybody gets a turn in the spotlight. This guy has an interesting set of Pokemon. You know, he's got a Graveler, I believe. Um, who what else did he have? He had the Don Fan. He had he had a nice array of Pokemon. And the battle was fun to watch. And Something that I've learned recently, shout out to one of my favorite YouTubers, Ace Trainer Liam. He has an amazing, amazing, amazing show on YouTube that he does called uh, Pokemon WTF Moments. And he points out all the time that we, in a show about capturing and battling monsters, we see very little capturing and very little battling of monsters. So it was very nice to see a Pokemon battle because watching WTF moments, it just makes me realize how little we actually see an actual full out Pokemon battle. Usually it's wacky antics and then Pikachu electroshocking, but and, and blowing Team Rocket into outer space or whatever. We rarely ever get to see that, that real 
badass moment of just two Pokemon fighting and really trying. And on top of that, we get to see Donphan, which is a super underappreciated Johto Pokemon. I really thought he was going to be like this Pokemon was going to be a huge deal whenever I was um, watching, like whenever I was watching this movie and seeing Donphan. And side note, we also got to see Meryl, who I can't remember if Meryl had de debuted yet in the anime because Tracy had a Meryl. And then we got to see Snubble in the Pikachu's Vacation movie, which if you watched it in theaters, aired before it. Um, but me as a kid, again, I was really pissed off that I didn't get the card. So I, I just wanted it to be over. I wanted them to shut the hell up and get to the Mewtwo <laughs> when I was a kid. So, um, and unfortunately that didn't come packaged with the release that I got for Pokemon, the first movie. So I can't really review it, but I know that, um, in this experience, we're getting to see several of these Johto Pokemon. And I really thought that Don fan was going to be really prominent. But he's such a forgettable Pokemon for some reason, unfortunately. I'm not really sure why or where that happened, um, but he's just not a super appreciated Pokemon anymore. I don't... I, I was really young when the Gold and Silver games came out, so I can't remember if he was really useful in Gen 2 or not. Uh, but I know that uh, the anime didn't... Outside of this appearance, the anime didn't focus on him a whole lot. And I mean, like they had 251 Pokemon to focus on. So not everybody's going to constantly give, get as much love as Pikachu, Charmander, Squirtle, you know, the, the base boys. But it, it just made me kind of sad watching this back, knowing what I know now that basically nobody remembers or cares that much about Don Fan or his pre-evolution. So I'm just glad that he got to shine here. Let, let's just say that. So the battle wraps up really quickly and we get to see Dragonite who, oh my gosh, I, I love Dragonite. He is so derpy and ridiculous looking, especially when you see his pre-evolutions, um, being these beautiful, elegant, like long eel-like dragons, beautiful blue color. And they evolve into this derpy orange nonsense, but he's a really powerful Pokemon. He's always been really popular. Um, sorry for randomly gendering Pokemon too. It's just, I don't know. It just comes out. I know that Ash's current Dragonite was confirmed to be female. So I guess I could say she, but Dragonite comes in and gives them an invitation to this trainer. Um, I don't know what you even call it. It's, it's not really clear as to what it is. They're being, he's being challenged by quote, the world's greatest trainer. So he's going to go to this Island, um, which <laughs> also, it's kind of funny because it specifically says Ash Ketchum is the one being told to come. And Ash is just like, well, I got a plus one and then my plus one gets a plus one. So my two traveling companions are coming too. And nobody really questions it, which is even weirder. Um, because, yeah, like, I, I it kept popping into my head over and over again because... Mewtwo later uh, is revealed to be the, the one challenging them. Big surprise there. I mean, it's called Mewtwo Strikes Back, so what do you think? But um, Mewtwo even says that only the strongest trainer just could make it here, which also Ash wouldn't have made it without Misty, but Misty wasn't invited. It was just, it was, it's a kind of a mess. Like, But they get invited to this big premiere for the world's greatest trainers. And um, of course, Ash accepts because he truly believes that he's the greatest of them all spoiler alert it takes him over 20 years to get that title and even when he gets it it's like 
almost a consolation prize because it was the first time they'd ever done it. So I don't know if people were prepared. Anyway, um, so they go to this, uh, they, they decide that they're going to go to this island. I think it's called like New Island. It's called something really generic. But they are going to go and um, meet up with this mysterious, world-class, super-powerful, world-best trainer. There's this whole side plot where Nurse Joy is missing. I really wish that they would have drawn that out a little bit more. Um, it lasts for about 10 minutes. There's a uh, there's a poster that says that Nurse Joy is missing. They Officer Ginny warns everybody to be careful because of the Pokemon get hurt. The, there's not a nearby Pokemon Center for like an hour or something, she says. So um, she really urges them to be careful. And when the storm starts coming, she tries to ban them from going because if anybody gets hurt, there's no Nurse Joy there to, to save them. Um, and then they get to the island and Brock's like, oh, I think that's Nurse Joy. And then like literally like two minutes later, Mewtwo is done using her for whatever reason. And she's like, oh, yeah, I'm Nurse Joy. That, they could have made that last a little bit longer. That could have been a whole thing. Unfortunately, they decided that it just to use it as kind of a throwaway. Maybe, um, you know, Four Kids was pretty notorious, no, notorious for editing stuff. So maybe we didn't get the whole story there. Maybe there was more. But um, there's not going to be any way that we're going to know. For those who don't know, um, the Pokemon Company has always been pretty tight-lipped about the Japanese version of the show. There are places you can go on the internet to watch Pokemon subtitled. There's no legal way that I know of to watch Pokemon subtitled. They really want each region to be immersed in their own language and not have the full picture, I guess. And I'm not sure why that is. I don't know if that's to keep you know, their branding on brand or whatever, or to not confuse kids by having different options. But um, especially the earlier seasons, not as much anymore, but the earlier seasons were, were edited and things were taken out. There were episodes completely left out, like the infamous Dratini episode, um, the Jinx episodes. There was, uh, there was a big plot hole where they took out um, the, because the Dratini episode was also the Safari Zone episode, which is where all of his Tauros came from. So as a kid, we never got to see him catch all the Tauros. And it was just, it's weird that Pokemon in the year 2022 still is so like clutching its pearls that it doesn't want people to know that Pokemon's Japanese, even though everybody knows. Just let us watch the subtitled version. But um, that's why I'm so careful on how I word things with this movie because I can't, I've never seen the Japanese version. It's never been made available to me or to, to anybody legally. Um, so I don't know what was edited with this. I know a lot, obviously like the puns and the pop culture references probably are just for kids being for kids, but it's just so bizarre that we are not able to see the original uncut material when most other shows like Digimon, for instance, um, that they were kind of in the same boat for a long time with not having the Japanese version, but now we are able to. And the new movies that have come out, the Tri movies, um, you have the option to watch it in English or Japanese. Sailor Moon's the same way. We eventually got the uncut episodes of Sailor Moon and the banned or, or skipped over episodes 
in Japanese to, for us to watch, and we the full Japanese to where we can see the little bits that, that were cut from the dub. But for some reason, Pokemon has been clinging on to this, like, image of keeping everything in that country's native language. And it's just, a, it's always been a little bit bizarre to me. But anyway, moving on, they, there's a big storm, so the ferry isn't running. So all of these people, um, there's three trainers that just decide to go on anyway. One of them has a Pidgeot, one of them has uh, Gyarados, one of them has a Dugong. So they just are able to traverse it pretty easily because they have fully evolved Pokemon Ash Ketchum. That's not the last time I will bring that up either. And Ash is stuck having to rely on this really convenient boat service of a couple of Vikings with their beautiful cat maiden on the front, who is definitely not Team Rocket and definitely does not have really offensive accents that are very fake and would probably not fly in 2022 at all. They decide to go ahead and ride over with Team Rocket Um there's a really funny joke where um, it's either Ash or Brock or sorry, Misty or Brock say that they don't see Vikings around nowadays. And Ash just says, well, they're mostly in Minnesota. And that just made me laugh really hard. That was such a stupid joke that caught me off guard. Um, but they, the, the boat crashes, they find out that, um, that it's team rocket. They almost drowned. Then, Misty uses Staryu and Ash uses Squirtle and they are able to get to the uh, the island, thankfully. So they get there and everybody, um, they're told to release all their Pokemon. And there's a weird moment where the only Pokemon that Brock has with him is Vulpix. Brock very famously has an Onix and a Geodude. Where are they? Like, I, surely he still has them, but they don't show up in the movie for whatever reason. And I think by this time he had a Zubat too. And then Misty, when she releases her Pokemon, only has Psyduck and Staryu. But she very famously did give some of her Pokemon to her sister, or her sisters at the Cerulean City Gym. So maybe this was taking place after that. But Brock, I am fairly sure, certain, had more than just Vulpix. And um, so they release all of their Pokemon and it is a very weird sight to see these other three trainers that are there besides our main characters are just so much more competent trainers than than Ash and his friends and I know that technically Brock is not a trainer um, he's a gym leader and he's kind of designed to be one of the early gym leaders same with Misty so they don't necessarily need to have fully evolved super strong Pokemon to do their job but Ash is wanting to be a Pokemon master and he's had a Bulbasaur and a Squirtle forever that have not evolved um, as well as a lot of other like base stage Pokemon that don't evolve that much like thinking back I know his his Pidgey his Pidgeotto evolved into Pidgeot obviously the Butterfree but he released Butterfree um, just a lot of his, I mean, Charizard, obviously, but a lot of his Pokemon don't evolve. Like, he has a lot of, like, base-level Pokemon, and all of these other people have fully evolved Pokemon. There's a Gyarados, there's a Nidoqueen, there's Dugong, there's Blastoise and Venusaur. 
these other trainers actually want to do well. And I get that it's about friendship with Ash, and that's the whole plot of the show is that he they're his friends, they don't need to change, you know, they can be successful without changing. But as viewers, we want to see these Pokemon. And I guess that this is was their way of doing that for us. Um, also, Venusaur and Blastoise, along with Charizard, are fairly important here pretty soon. Um, but it's, it was just weird. Also, we've got to mention the, the guy that says, all my Pokemon are water types. And I think what he meant to say is all my Pokemon are blue. Because, I mean, yeah, you have a Tentacruel and, and, and you have a Golduck and... That's a Nidoqueen, sir. That is not a water type at all. So no, not all of your Pokemon are water type. Um, but we finally get to see Mewtwo. He talks through Nurse Joy for a minute there, and then he ditches her, and she gets to go back to being Nurse Joy. And this is when things start to get a little bit convoluted and crazy, um, because there's a lot of fights that happen, pretty rapid fire, and basically... The trainers come to the consensus that Mewtwo is a Pokemon. He's not a trainer, so he can't be the world's best Pokemon trainer. So he's like, want to bet? And he brings out um, Charizard, Venusaur, and Blastoise with some sick tats. Um, but so the, these trainers decide to use their Venusaur and Blastoise and then Ash with his Charizard to go up against these um, clones at this point. I don't know if it even said that. Um, but instead of like trying to do type advantages, they mirror match, which I don't think was the best idea. Um, I get that they're trying to prove that they're the best one, but I mean, if you really want to win, you would probably go with type advantages. Um, they decide not to for whatever reason, and they all get beaten and the clones are proven to be better. And that's when we cut back to Team Rocket who have stumbled in to the castle um they didn't have an invitation so they couldn't get in so they went through this like aqueduct and they end up finding the cloning process where Mewtwo gets his clones from that so they spend a lot of the movie down here and which was kind of a I'm glad that Team Rocket got to be in the movie because they are comedic relief characters so it was really nice to break up the tension there was a cute bit where Mew who has just been really curious about how humans function, just was kind of following them around for a while and like pop, popping in and out and around. And, and they were always looking and just missing him. He would teleport away right before they looked over. So that was always a really cute bit. And um, I'm glad that they got to be in the movie. I just feel like they didn't do anything important. They could have easily been taken out. All they were really there for was as an easy way for the audience to have the behind the scenes stuff explained to them but then Mewtwo kind of explains it anyway so really you could probably just cut them completely out of the movie unfortunately I I hate to say that because I love Team Rocket they are some of the best characters in the entire franchise but they you know I stand my my uh bisexual king and queen but they really served no purpose in this movie other than exposition that we got doubled up on later. <sighs> so after the big fight, Mewtwo decides that he is going to clone all the Pokemon and kill 
everybody kill all the humans and all the original pokemon so that because they are tainted by being slaves to humans even though there's still wild pokemon that have never been caught like are they going to be killed too i i guess it huh i i didn't think about that when i was watching it but he his plan is to clone all of these pokemon so they, he can have versions of them that are untainted by humans who are evil and bad and then kill the humans and their Pokemon partners. But why would he need to clone? Because I'm sure there's wild Charizards, Venusaurs, and Blastoise out there. There's wild Meowths out there. there. There's wild Gyaradoses out there. Why does he need to clone them? The whole cloning part. Like, I get like he's a clone and he wants to prove that he has worth and meaning and value but like hmm it just that was a little bit bizarre for uh, th his his plan doesn't exactly make sense so his next part of his plan is to send these big floaty pokeballs out to catch the other trainers pokemon um it was it was kind of a weird thing because like we've always been told that you can't capture pokemon but i guess you know he is all powerful so he has Pokeballs that can capture Pokemon that have already been captured. Um, even if you put them in their Pokeball, it can capture other Pokeballs, which is uh, something that we found out because Ash actually had a smart idea to return the Pokemon to the Pokeballs, but that didn't matter either. It still was able to get them. And um, there's this really, really beautifully done scene where Pikachu is running away from the balls that are trying to capture him and Ash is running after him. And there's this big spiral. It's not exactly a staircase. It's like a slide looking thing. Um, but Pikachu starts running up it. Ash is chasing after him. Pikachu finds out that his Thunderbolt can immobilize the balls for just a little bit um, momentarily. So he keeps using Thundershock or Thunderbolt or whatever on these balls and immobilizing them and running some more and then doing it again and again and again until he runs out of steam and unfortunately gets caught. But Ash is not giving up. The machine starts to clone Pikachu and he starts like basically he runs into this cloning machine that just destroys it because you know ash logic and he's able to save his pokemon partners so now we have these we have the clones and then we have the originals and these new clones don't have the sick tats so it's a lot harder to tell them apart it's just a very very weird um i don't know why that the the original three the the starter final evos had these markings on them but the new clones don't because now we don't know who is who when they're fighting so it's kind of hard to cheer even in like the pikachu versus pikachu fight where pikachu our main character pikachu is fun and quirky and but it's still hard to tell which one is him so i i thought that was a very weird choice they could have very easily just put some black markings on them like the other ones and called it a day but um Ash decides that he's had enough of Mewtwo's nonsense and runs at him head first. He's going to punch him like that guy from Digimon Savers. Tried to block that season out of my mind. Um, but I just remember that he punched Digimon for whatever reason. And um, so Ash decides that he's going to go punch Mewtwo and is saved by Mew momentarily. Mew, So Mew finally reveals himself and we're going to get this epic Mew versus Mewtwo fight. And it, it was pretty interesting, but there was this really terrible, cheesy 90s R&B song, Brother My Brother or something like that, playing over it. And while all these Pokemon were fighting, and I know that it's 
like more of a like emotional fight and less of like an action oriented fight but it made it feel it, it made the room feel weird um i assumed that the japanese song playing there was still emotional but less cheesy because this is just something else entirely i i don't know i <laughs> i really want to I, I really want to talk about it but i i just number one i can't play it on here for copyright reasons and number two it was just weird i don't know so these pokemon are fighting again we can't tell who is who and most of them that it's showing fighting we met like 20 minutes ago like the the nita queen and um the gyarados and all this so like you, it's really hard to be emotionally invested in them unless that just happens to be your favorite pokemon which a lot of people like gyarados so that's probably why they had that moment where they collapsed on each other um but the, we get this quote from nurse joy and i just i paused the movie and i got up and i left the room and i didn't come back for a few minutes nurse joy says pokemon aren't meant to fight there's a lot wrong with that nurse joy <laughs> joy there's a lot wrong with that statement number one yes they are that's the whole point that's why there's the whole league set up that's why there's the gyms that's why trainers challenge each other all the time yes you can form an emotional bond with your pokemon which is the the point of this movie that pokemon and humans can form you know friendship bonds so i understand the sentiment but no pokemon are meant to fight that's the whole premise that's the whole premise of the card game that's the whole premise of the video game that's the whole premise of the anime that's the whole premise of the franchise ma'am is that they are fighting you you capture these monsters and you fight them so yes and it's also your job security like i i don't want to i don't know if you get paid for healing pokemon like i'm sure you have to make a living somehow it's not like a charity job um in the video games you don't pay to have your pokemon healed but in the anime it's a little less clear but anyway, like, it's your job security. Regardless if you're getting paid or not, that's what you do for a living. And if people stop fighting, then Pokemon are going to be a lot less injured. And you're going to have much less job security. You're going to have to take up, you know, an extra shift at the McDonald's or the Starbucks to make sure that you can get through your, you pay your mortgage on your house there, Nurse Joy. So, yes, Pokemon are meant to fight. Stop. That was such a stupid, oh, my God. And they, they really do ham fist in a lot of um lesson teaching again i imagine that this has something to do with the climate of cartoons and animation at the time um i don't know a whole lot about if it was the same in japan but in the united states um all throughout the 90s and i believe even in the 80s so this is a big push for cartoons to be moral and for them to teach lessons and for them to teach kids things it really got they they had this lesson at the end of the movie that oh we're not so different and it doesn't matter how you were born you can become whatever you want you know Mewtwo's a clone but he's still his own person people pokemon and people aren't like um instinctually good or evil you get to make the decisions in your life yada 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 um be your own person be confident in yourself whatever um also ash turns to rock there's there's that scene i everybody knows the scene <laughs> I, and i that transition was fantastic wasn't it but yeah the the whole ash turns to rock scene it's been done to death um it it was fairly emotional i because of the i forgot that pikachu like tries to shock him back to life over and over again like uh, the 
how he does in the anime, you know, to get Ash's attention, he'll shock him. And it was emotional. I just, I don't think it was emotional as it was to me as an eight year old. (laughs) I think, I think as an adult, it was much more of a, oh yeah, you know, he's not going to die. But as an eight year old, I was like, Ash Ketchum is dead. Oh no. Oh no. He didn't even, he didn't even get to be Pokemon master. What? Yeah, so as a kid, it was it was an emotional scene, but of course it comes back to life. The reason why this movie makes me so mad is because, I, we, I kind of talked about it earlier, they were toying around with the idea of the movies being canon to the TV series, and they did it for the first few movies. Um, eventually the movies kind of became their own thing, and now there's actually a specific movie canon with the Pikachu as Juju movie. It actually reset that universe, the movie universe, and now it's its own thing, um, its own canon, its own timeline, um, with its own exclusive characters and everything. So it's I, I definitely understand that they wanted the movie to be linked to the show because they didn't know how long this is gonna go on for. And so like they there were bits of the movie that were alluded to in the TV series. And the way that they were able to get away with Ash Ketchum meeting not one but two legendary Pokemon and seeing literally this massive cloning thing, learning all these secrets about scientists and things that he shouldn't know about as a normal 10-year-old boy, Mewtwo is just like, I'm going to wipe your memory. Mewtwo is like, I royally screwed up. I was a horrible, horrible person thing, Pokemon did all these horrible things. And in order for me to go on living guilt-free, I'm going to wipe your memory. So at the end of the movie, this all becomes kind of null and void because he wipes, he wipes away their memory and they're never going to remember this ever again. And I'm just like, deep sigh because they, I, I just, that's one of my least favorite mechanic, not mechanics. It's one of tropes is the word I'm looking for. It's one of my least favorite tropes. It's one of my least favorite tropes is memory wiping so that they can go on these big adventures to, in order to make it not required viewing in order to kind of have that episodic reset button, they use a memory wipe. It's, it's, it was just really frustrating. (laughs) And, you know, the, even at the end, Mew kind of makes himself known and we have kind of a nod to the very beginning of the show where ash says my you know my very first day of being a pokemon trainer i saw a really rare legendary pokemon he's referring to Ho-Oh, who i believe at the time still had not been revealed to be a pokemon uh, who it was or what it was um to all of us that watch the anime um and then brock and misty kind of like gaslight him saying that he didn't see mew right there and i'm just like wow great friends you know so now we come to the part of the show where we try to determine if this show is actually good or if it's just nostalgic um which is a a lot of people will tell you that this movie is their favorite pokemon movie and i can say very clearly that this is not my favorite pokemon movie at all i really enjoy the newer ones um is because as the show got older and as the show progressed on and we encountered new regions like Johto and Kalos and all of these other places, it became harder and harder to explain why the Pokemon from Johto or from Kalos or from Unova 
were never in Kanto, and it's because they didn't exist IRL at the time. Uh, I feel really gross saying IRL, uh, but they didn't exist in the real world. And it just, it was one of those things where like, the, they couldn't have predicted how long Pokemon was going to go on for. It was originally only planned to go on through Johto and then end. And it just became this mega hit. So the new movies kind of, they, they sprinkle in Pokemon from other regions, despite the fact that he's in Kanto. Because when we go to other regions further down the road, Cantonian Pokemon are there. So it only makes sense for like the occasional trainer to come over, you know, from a different region with a Pokemon that they've never seen before. And it just not be, it'd be kind of weird because that Pokemon's not native there, but also like not unheard of. So this, that's one reason why this isn't my favorite movie. And another reason is just because it's so inconsequential and a little bit ham-fisted with its lessons that they cram in there and it had some weird pacing issues but I mean at the same time it really did showcase the best of the best for the Kanto region we got to see a Pokemon that never really got in the spotlight like Wigglytuff never got a whole lot of attention in the original series um you know Nidoqueen was in this we got to see um this was the first time that we had seen Tentacruel, uh, sorry, Tentacruel in a long time. Because, um, unfortunately, that episode was not well-received in that time. But anyway, my, my point is that it really became its own... Like, it, it really showed off these Pokemon that weren't in the spotlight as much and not that they like i i just love seeing venusaur and blastoise even today you know venusaur and blastoise don't get the recognition they deserve and it's all about charizard and i get that charizard really popped off and took off but i think that if ashes squirtle and bulbasaur had evolved that venusaur and blastoise would be much more iconic than they are and i mean not saying don't come for me i'm not saying they're not iconic but what i am saying is that when you think pokemon you think pikachu and charizard sometimes you might think like lucario because he was really big or greninja um, but people who remember the og season and might not have paid attention to some of the later generations are going to think pikachu and charizard that that's just what the show has is synonymous with and if you look at the card game there's always new pikachu cards there's always new charizard cards the the most expensive like top five cards are probably all going to be charizards i mean it's that's just how it is and i can't help but think that if ash had evolved his pokemon they would they would also be more iconic in the memories but i'm really glad that this movie really showcased the the two of them but as far as um, getting back to the point, is this nostalgic or not? I really think a lot of it is nostalgic, unfortunately. It is not a bad movie. It is a beautiful movie. The animation stands the test of time. It looks great. But at the end of the day, the story is not the best story that we can have in the Pokemon world. We've had better ones since. And I really feel like there's even been episodes that would make a better movie. I think that they the whole um, Sabrina arc um, it was it's like three or four episodes in the anime 
it, that could have easily been a movie like that was fantastic and really focused on some fan favorite Pokemon like Haunter and Gengar and uh, Alakazam and um, Sabrina being a fan favorite gym leader as well. It just it could have that could have easily been a movie or, you know, an OVA with some upgraded animation. But I just feel like the story wasn't there, like the story wasn't solid enough for me. Um, even within Pokemon movie standards, I don't think so. And it was the first one. So there is, there, there is a lot to remember when we're looking at this. Um, but as far as do I think it's nostalgic? I really do. I think that if you sat down and even watched the first three movies, because again, so many people remember this movie because it came out at the height of Pokemania. It came out when everybody, no matter how old you were, knew what Pokemon was, could name a lot of them, had seen the show, had played the games, had collected the cards. And so when you ask the average person, what's your favorite Pokemon movie? They're going to say, oh yeah, I like the Mewtwo one, the first one. I think if you go back and even watch the first three movies, it probably wouldn't be your favorite. The The other two have better storytelling because they kind of got into the groove of how to pace and write a Pokemon movie and what fans want to see. And that is nothing against this movie whatsoever. Uh, it was definitely a learning phase for them. And again, their mindset was that it wasn't going to go much further than this. So they didn't want to do anything um, too open-ended or too out there. So it, it, it had some shortcomings, but it really was a big step forward. I mean, it was one of the first movies that I wanted to go see in theaters. It was one of the first times that I chose a movie to go see. Usually the we would go as a family to see whatever, you know, Lion King or whatever was out at the time in theaters. And I would just go to have something to do. This was the first movie that I wanted to see. And they didn't have the damn cards either. And I will never forgive movie theater for not having them so this is the end of our episode um i really don't want to drag it on for too much longer i would like to keep these episodes run an hour long if possible sometimes me and the guest will i mean i've recorded some episodes so we get talking and things get carried away so um if you get tired of hearing my voice in the future episodes you're going to hear some other voices that are very lovely and fun to be around so don't worry about that part but um, again, my name is Common Rider Furry. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter. I am much more active on Twitter at this point. Um, I just, I post a lot of random stuff. I am really big into drag race outside of anime. I'm really big into um, hyper specific music <laughs> that you would, you'd be able to see. And I repost a lot of memes and, and funny situations. Um, and I live tweet movies every now and then from that are like, you know, 20 years old. You can find the podcast for official news and release schedules and upcoming topics. You can find that on uh, Instagram and Twitter at at Ancient Anime Pod. You can also email us at ancientanimepod at gmail.com if you have any Thing that you want to contribute i i would love to have a segment coming up where people talk about their favorite older anime and kind of give a brief review that i can read out on the episode or um if we happen to be doing you know 
sometimes we'll announce ahead of time what we're going to be doing. And then you can, you know, tell us how you feel about that. And we can talk about your points of view at the end of the episode as well. So um, email us if you want to be in contact, if you want to be involved in any degree. I'm really looking for the community to be as involved as possible. So thank you for listening to our debut episode. We are going to come out every week on Tuesday, as long as I can get the um, uploaders to agree and um, get uploaded on time. And you can find us on all major platforms. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you have a great rest of your day.